Welcome to the Business Benchmark Group podcast, where you'll learn how to think strategically about your business and discover that while business is not easy, it doesn't need to be hard. With over 20 years experience in turning stalling businesses into thriving enterprises, here is your host, Stefan Kazakis, the founder and CEO of Business Benchmark Group. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Business Benchmark Group podcast. My guest this week was destined in the 80s to have a very, very, very promising career in the world of AFL. However, a degenerative back condition could not stand the rigours of AFL football and his career was cut short. The former Carlton footballer turned to the world of business and with the same grit, determination and prowess learnt on the field, then applied in the boardroom. My guest has also spent a lifetime working to create educational opportunities for children from disadvantaged backgrounds and is now running the Phillips Brothers Foundation. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Andrew Phillips as this week's Great Australian Stories in the Making. Welcome, Andrew. Good to have you here, mate. Well, thanks for that uh, kind introduction, Stephen. It takes me back a while that, that uh, you know, 30, 40 years. It's, um, yeah, it's always good to reflect on, I guess, you um you know, you're living in the present, always got the eye on the future, but sometimes, um, like our brief chat before, it's a, it's a, a really, um, uh, it was a fantastic time in my life, actually, and one that I remember built a lot of things that when you're, when you're 15, 16, 17, you're, you're learning about uh, how adults go about their life, and you grow up pretty quickly in an AFL club, um, particularly when I arrived, Robert Walls was the coach, and, uh, you know, you've probably heard of stories for Wolsey, you know, four-time premiership player, but there was a lot of um, learnings in a tough environment um, in the success they had during that sort of 80s. And um, so, yeah, I'm grateful for, um, as a now 50-year-old, to be able to sort of look back and use a few of those platforms of disciplines and learnings that um, have sort of stood good stead for me over the years. And it's interesting. I mean, you know, just just reading that introduction for you, Andrew. And and my first question uh, to all our guests is, you know, what has been your biggest roadblock in business or life, and how did you overcome it? And I guess you know, just that that crossroad between an early and and very, you know, in the games that you played, you were fairly right at the top at every uh, at every level uh, for what you did um, at the AFL um, in your early days, and then you know, to have been a uh, considered roadblock. And I guess for you it would have been a hard thing. And you can tell us a story. I shouldn't be <laughs> trying to preempt what you're going to tell me. But what has been your biggest roadblock in business or life and how did you overcome? Because since then, I mean, you've just continued to uh, be at the height of everything you've put your fingers to, mate. Yeah, I, I, I guess um, I think the foundations of early childhood probably um, now that we're involved in education and look at the work we're trying to do at our foundation, I think we're where things do go off the rails, we see is in early childhood, where there's either a lack of love or lack of education in the household. Um, we see a lot of family breakdown now. And we, my brother and I, are lucky enough to, you know, have those really good solid foundations of education, love, and watch my father, obviously, in a, a business career. So, you know, the, the sorts of, um, I guess, the DNA inside us was, you know, this work ethic and professional and ethical and uh, we're always aspiring to do the best we could. Um, so I guess to answer that first part, for me, it was very much into a sporting career, which um, I was, you know, um, playing tennis and football at a young age. And when I um, had my back problem, I was at the height of 
what I was doing. I um, remember that particular year, I was third in the best and fairest at Carlton and, um, you know, had a lot of aspiration. I was, David Parkin was my coach and, um, you know, we're heading, you know, that was 1991 and we ended up playing in a grand final in 1993, but I retired at the end of 91 because I, I did, did my back in the off season. It was a progressive injury. You know, I'd, I'd had it as a, a teenager, but by the time I was 21, I was, I was done. I was finished and I ended up having a surgery to try and help me to play, but it didn't work. So I, I still remember clearly the night that I had to sort of announce my retirement on, on an oval outside at Prince's Park. And, you know, I, I, I specifically remember sitting on my couch, um, uh, what am I now, 50, at 43, I remember sitting with my wife and my kids watching the footy on TV, thinking that I'm grateful for that moment. Like, it, it, it was it was difficult at the time because that's as a young person, that's all you want to do. And you, you can't really think beyond football. You know, you don't, you don't think of uh, a much broader business life or relationships or family or whatever, but I was grateful at 43. I remember it clearly thinking, thanks for the opportunity to build another part of my life that I wouldn't have necessarily done had it not been for that early retirement. So I guess the biggest roadblock I would have to say was those back operations because life was pretty tough in a in a pain sense and in a debilitation sense you and and those who've had life challenges physically mentally or spiritually will will know this very well that there's a lot of confidence lost there's a lot of um self-worth and uh in particularly for you know an afl player or anyone at that height of a, a physical sporting professional career all of a sudden it grinds to a halt and I was lucky enough as my family, uh, my parents always said, you know, we need to get an education, my brother and I. So education was always the backstop in case anything happened. Um, you know, little did I know that it was going to actually happen after, you know, two or three years um, where my contemporaries went on to play 10 and 15 years. Um, but, you know, we're now um, a lot older and wiser and looking back and I can say that it it's not everything, um, but I would have to say that was my biggest personal roadblock I did not know it at the time because you just deal with it deal so back operations recoveries I've now just had my fourth back operation at 50 years old and I had three in those early stages and I had a wonderful success and went on to live a, a really great physical life until my most recent one in business I guess the biggest roadblocks were and I've written some notes here about um, sort of learning to um, get out of the way learning when my skills were um, needed to be superseded by people that were better or more capable than me. Um, I've written here, um, hiring better people, uh, focus and learning new skills, um, particularly administration. We were phys ed teachers, so we're great at teaching kids. But as we grew our business, we had to learn, well, when did you need greater skills in different areas that, that you didn't necessarily have yourself? Um, Another one was growing our management team. So learning how to manage people. Um, I often talk about the story of, you know, stopping the bus, stopping it still in its tracks, not, not continuing down a path. Let's stop the bus. Let's get the people off the bus that shouldn't be there. Let's recruit the new, new people that should be on the bus. And then within that bus, let's get the people sitting in the right seats, all, all coordinating with each other. And let's get the bus now started up and going in the right direction. So for me, one of the biggest roadblocks is growing a management team and having that ultimate lift 
Um, and and more sort of micro was it was at the acute financial skills of cash flow management, administration, IT, and an understanding all of those cogs. Um, we were we were terrifically capable of growing. In a, and my role was in sales growth, and my brother's and his wife's role was in operations. But there's so much more to run a successful business. So I think, Stefan, they were things that came to my mind as as um, business roadblocks that wasn't necessarily from the outside world. It's probably more for myself. How do how did I get need to get out of the way of myself? Also important to uh, to highlight, you know. Your, your, yours and your brother's uh, business was Camp Australia that went on to become a, a formidable, I guess, benchmark in what it did and, and within Australia. And and um, recently you sold out from that business and um, a very successful exit at, in saying that. So everything you just suggested, they're starting from the sliding door moments of if you weren't for what was a hard thing to understand at the age of 21, putting to an end to an AFL career and then moving more and more into your business journey. If that hadn't occurred when it occurred and how it occurred, you may never have been in a position to truly capitalise with your brother Anthony, the uh, success of Camp Australia. So it's interesting, isn't it, how these things do happen and when you look back, they are obstacles but you can always break through. And I think that's what's coming through in your message just there. Definitely. I I think the... um uh, the sliding door example is is actually true. Um, I wouldn't have had the capacity um, to do what I've done if I had have probably spent 10 to 15 years until I was mid-30s playing football. I just know it. I wouldn't have been educated. I wouldn't have been able to start a business at that stage where the momentum builds. Um, so I have often talked in the most recent years after I've sold of how grateful I am. It's easy in hindsight, of course. I would never have chosen that path because, as I said, you know, when you're a young boy, you know, football, it's, that was it for me. Um, but that that specific and, – and the other thing, Stefan, I think that I've not really been under able to understand um, is that the, the desire, the growth, the, 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 the application to become an AFL player – I actually took that same competitive spirit into business and I didn't necessarily think of it at the time. Why were we so aspiring to grow our business and become the biggest childcare operator in Australia? I didn't sort of set out that way, but it was just a, I don't know, something overcame me in that May and I wanted to probably um, transfer what I'd lost in in, in a physical sense into into business And, and so those things held us in good stead too. But also putting yourself, um, Andrew, when you when you sort of unpack your answer a couple of moments ago, putting yourself in that position of vulnerability, you know, hiring people that are smarter, more capable, more skilled, and more experienced at certain areas of the business, building your management team, it takes a a certain level of resilience and 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 vulnerability, which is a healthy thing. I mean, we're we're seeing vulnerability being one of the key. Uh, key traits for success right now in, in business owners, particularly in SME. Um, so to put yourself on that, you know, hey, we're, we're going to do this and we're going to do it with the best people on the bus in the right seat and somehow we're going to be driving this bus and we're going to be in control all the way through. I mean, there's learnings that go on every, every day. So how many years ago did you uh, did, did, did you successfully exit the Camp Australia business? I mean, you and Anthony exited. How long ago was that? Yeah, it was um, coming up to four years now. Um, it was uh, December 2016, um, and 
Yeah, I, I got a message from a, a close friend said, yeah, overnight success, it only took 30 years. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's building blocks. And, you know, I, I think the work that I'm doing now, um, helping entrepreneurs, small businesses, um, advisory work, um, I'm trying to um, use experiential support to say, I, I think I've seen just about everything. I know I haven't because there's still more to learn and do, but, you know, we, we did have all the ups and downs, um, both, you know, per personally, um, in the businesses as business owners, um, the relationships with um, staff, you know, our, at our peak, I think we were at about 200 full-time staff and about 4,000 casual permanent part-time staff. So, you know, it was a huge responsibility um, for what was effectively a human resource business. But, you know, we loved that interaction. Um, and, I, yeah, as I say, the, the building, I think one of the um, – things that we always knew when we had to bring other talent in, particularly um, it took us about five goes at getting our CEO right, as an example. And what I knew, what I knew what I needed wasn't being delivered. The toughest thing was having to move those particular choices on and keep seeking what we knew we had to do because it was beyond our skill set. We all, Anthony and I both had a trial at running the business for a while um, and then yeah, so it, it, it wasn't, um, it was sort of a, an organic thing that we just kept evolving. But, um, you know, we learned a few pretty important lessons very early on. Um, you know, the, the value system that we, we started with, professional and ethical. Um, and we, you know, we, we ran that every day with what we did and then respectful and grateful. So I think you're right with the vulnerabilities. Um, it's sort of being able to look itself and understand and, and still back yourself. Um, but you know, always wanting to bring in people that felt like they were part of the family and treat them well and, and yeah. But also that little bit there, and I love just I'm continuing to unpack some of the things you're sharing here, mate, because this is the uh, this is the reality of being a small, medium business owner in Australia. You know, ground up, you guys were um, self-made. No one sort of said, here's a mattress, you can lie on it. You worked really hard with Anthony in making this happen. And... For many a time, you're always at the edge of, oh, shit, how are we going to work this one out, right? So even to think about having the the fortitude of moving on a handful of CEOs to get to the right one that then leads you and and, and, and supports you in your continued journey, um, that takes, again, some people would look at that and say, geez, these guys are mad. they got no idea. What are they doing? Mm -hmm. Others would think, hang on. They're obviously really clear about what it takes to be, um, you know, the CEO of Camp Australia, and 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 at the end you get it right eventually. And that's my um, that's my 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 knowledge and my experience around this stuff is, I don't need to like you, Andrew, but I need to respect you. And if I respect mm. you, we're going somewhere. If I only like you and then let you off. You know, if, if if I'm sort of, you know, we've been studying the All Blacks as one of um one of one of the personal development things we're doing as a team, a business benchmark group. And um, this morning we were unpacking, you know, the five fundamental uh, drivers for the All Blacks and why they, over a hundred years, have a seventy eight percent winning ratio. I mean, mm -hmm. regardless of it with being sport, it could be anything else, but that's a formidable character. And as it relates to ethics. And as it relates to acknowledging the soft skills, it's mm -hmm. right up there, which is what you're also saying. You know, you've got to have ethics, you've got to be decent, but you call, you've got to call it tight, otherwise you'll be making the numbers up, Payne. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, 
and it's funny, like we we talk about um, successes or failures, and you know they say, well, you know, a failure is not a failure; it's a learning. And I I know now that some of the um, really acute, um, what were really tough times in our business, I still recall them now as my most favourable challenges to succeed over. You know, businesses almost going under, or nearly losing your house, or um, having management team challenges, or opening up the business. Um, in a sales process, like there were, there were some really tough times that um, I I now look back on greater than the easier times, and I think that's one of the things that small businesses can can know and can learn from that it's it's never too insurmountable. Like um, you know, let's work out the problem, let's fix it, get the solution, and, and go. And you know, that was our always our um, way of thinking. You know, so it was always half glass full, uh, positive attitude. Um, I used to have a little post-it note on my, um, one because of my back, but also um, just in business, a little uh, yellow post-it note on my desk for um, oh, a good part of 20 years, be positive. And I just, any time so I just look at it and it was just a reminder. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah I think it's, um, and, and also learning from um, so many different people. I, I think I've, we've talked to you, you before about our advisory board like I think um it is cyclical what goes around comes around and if, you, if you're putting out positive energy in the world you know people are more likely to help you and um and you can learn and then take snippets of advice from people as you do you don't have to believe everything but um yeah that's how you just build yourself up Matt I love this um so for those listening who don't know you you know can you give us a snapshot of you and what a day in the life of you looks like today I mean here you are you're you're bordering or you're just in that 50th year of your life and and uh, an amazing uh, business um, journey thus far and plenty more to give. And obviously, you know, you've got um, a lot of influence in the right places for a lot of people, family included. But what does a typical day look like for you, Andrew? Yeah, um, I love to get up early. Um, I love health and fitness and recreation, I guess, um, you know, I always say that sort of work to live or live to work. Um, we, we, yeah, we certainly uh, love, my brother and I just loved health and fitness. So my, my day would start with um, usually rise between sort of 5 and 5.30. Um, I've since had a back operation a few months ago, but, um, you know, normally it would be a swim or a ride with mates, um, a breakfast. I'd go take the dogs for a walk. I'd walk my kids to school. Um and then, uh, well, I've got a wife and four children, uh, 15 down to 11. So family is an important part of the freedom um, that I guess uh, our business being sold gives us. It's a bit of time and choice. Um, so I like to spend time walking my kids to school and back and picking them up. Um, that's been a great gift. Um, during the day, uh, my wife and I have started a business called GrowCorp, Proprietary Limited, but GrowCorp is essentially build its mission statement is global equality on the back of philanthropy um, advisory giving um, there's a number of pillars to it but it's it's sort of around environmental and education purposes um, the five pillars that we sort of work in are investing we're aiming to impact investing um, our, our foundation which is the giving side my work generally during the day would be advising small businesses small and medium large businesses but mentoring young people who are just starting out we run a farming business um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a variety of different things. The, the, the whole mantra of, of GROW is it being able to give back and help 
Um, we've got a, a wonderful logo of a little girl on a swing, which is just on the way up. And I know that everyone knows as a child on a swing, what's it feel like just on that, you've passed the bottom bit, somebody from behind's pushed you and you're about to launch up into the air. And it, it just so happens to be a, a 10-year-old girl on that swing, which is where we believe, my wife and I believe, uh, if we can support 10-year-old girls around the world, um, you know, the world's going to be a better place. So that's what we're about now, Stefan. Mate, power to you, Andrew. I love that and um, look forward to, to watching that continue to, to, to prosper. What has been your number one biggest learning in business or life and how has it helped shape you and your career? There'll be a few to reference, I'm thinking, but what has been your number one biggest learning in um, business or life? Um, I, I guess in business, um, my old man um, has always instilled at us this slogan, which is now synonymous with a family and I'm sure my brother's mentioned it in his one, is, is the only way is up. Um, now, it's easy to say, but I guess, uh, you know, it, it, there are going to be um, many, many challenges in life personally and in business, but, you know, that half glass four, that positive attitude is something that I think um, we're not all born that way, but but for me, my biggest learning is, is, is that... Um, you know, if we can address people with respect, as I said, professional and ethical, respectful and grateful. Um, from for me, that that's sort of been a hallmark of how I've tried to live my my business life. Um, I do love people, and I, I I like to give of myself, and um, I think that general equality. You know, just trying to trying to uh, support community, um, and I guess belief in yourself. Um, I talked. Um, you know, about earlier when I when I was playing football, and I never really thought about this, but when I lost a lot of confidence through back operations, it was almost this self-love. Like you, you feel like um, you, if you can't love yourself, you can't love another. So I, I've spent a fair bit of time in, um, you know, saying goodnight to my kids at night. But the, my last message to them is, who do you love the most? And <laughs> I've brainwashed them, but I love myself first and then I can love others. And so the message in that really for me was, um, about that inner confidence, that inner worth, uh, not an egoic sense of self-love, but, but it, you know, um, having the ability to say, no, I need to protect and look after myself first, and then you can go out to the world and really give energy to others. And, and I, I really believe in that, um, having the different experiences I've had, is that um, when we're at our most confident physically, mentally and spiritually is when that sort of uh, allows us to reach out to others. I think that's a great message and uh, those that are listening, I'm sure, would agree that, you know, if you have that highest level of respect, self-respect, not, 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 not ego-driven, I love that, I mean, really good distinction there. So it's, it's highest level of respect, highest level of self-awareness. And, and with, within all that comes that self, you know, that self-ability to just do. You know, regardless where you are, you're one step away. Regardless one step away, you're literally one touch away. And, um the ability to just keep on moving, you know, the momentum of life and, 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 and you just don't know what's around the corner and you just need to be in it. You need to be yeah. in it to win it. I mean, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, there's a lot of duality in life, isn't it? And I've since learned through, you know, you look at happy and sad and hot and cold, and, you know, like everything can be mixed in one and be, be one of the same. It's just, it's attitude. I used to, um, 
get the kids and I'd say, right, if, if A equals one and B equals two and C equals three and we we, we do the the word attitude and you give a, a, a the, each letter a corresponding number, guess what it equals? 100. There you I'd go. Say, you know, attitude is everything. So we can choose our attitude. We own our attitude. And, um, you know, no one can take that away from us. We've got tough times, but, yeah. You just reminded me, one of the um, one of the early things that I learned that made a significant difference for me in, in running mum and dad's business and, and it was taught to me from my first mentor, he said, as human beings, we have filters for listening, you know, and it typically happens as kids, right? We get, we get, we get sort of um, within our environment, we get sort of, um, you know, shaped in, in certain ways and, and, and you learn to um, respond to things that you hear in I like it, I don't like it, mm-hmm. I agree, I don't agree. It's good, it's bad. You're right, you're wrong. And it's quite interesting. That, that, had, a, that had a profound effect on me in shaping my communication style as a very young man, mm-hmm. um, leading a lot of people as that business grew and, and continue to in my business now, business benchmark group. And, and whether I'm talking to a little kid or I'm talking to a most senior CEO or, or an owner of a $100 million business, I have to be really in tune with Andrew with my filters of listening. Mm. It is not my responsibility to say I agree, I don't agree. Mm. It's not up to me to say it's good or bad. Yeah, yeah. My job is to be, okay, I'm listening. It's true for someone else. I have to have no judgment and remain curious as to where did that come from? Yeah. Let me ask one more question. You know? yeah. yeah, no, it's it's really good. And and also that ability to remain open to um, different perspectives because, um, you know, um, sometimes, you, you know, you say you can't judge a book by its cover. And it's really true, like judgment of people. Um, and then you get to know them and you go, oh, my God, I was so wrong with that. Um you know, listen to a podcast recently, can't remember what one of the Freakonomics or something, and it was talking about change of mind. And I was talking about the Democrats and Republicans. And, you know, there's some people have actually completely switched where they've actually challenged how do you, like you just said, how do you actually uh, allow yourself to have a different perspective and not just be fixated on one way? And it's it's quite incredible. Yeah, really. Um, what are you most proud of in your life? Um, and what would you say is your number one legacy? Um, I, I think if, if my my proudest personally would be, I never really, I you know, like, say from a sporting point of view and a back injury and then going on. I think um, there is far worse. I know challenges that um, human beings face every day, um, but I think we all have to face what we're given at any time. For me personally, was that. It was never woe is me, wise me. I was always um, positive about what can I do. I think my late mother said that, that you know, I never really complained. And um, I remember I sucked once when I retired, you know, and then I got on with life. And I, I think I'm most proud probably personally that I've um, had that attitude. Um, my, my, my absolute greatest achievement is finding my wife and my four kids today are uh, uh, everything like. And I do know... I do know that that's what I hope most people can say when they end, when, you know, when they're in the, at the end of their life. Or what, what is it that means the most to you right now? It's obviously that legacy of, of raising children in a way that they can go out in the community with kindness and love. And I think that's my real enjoyment is the amount of um, people that I 
I'm lucky enough to work with or um, have as mates. Um, and I think having a um, a way about you that is 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 welcoming to people is um, something that I've always enjoyed. Um, close friendships, and uh, yeah, I, I think my legacy would be. Um, oh, I don't know what a legacy be, but if if I could get to the end of uh, my time and people probably thought, well, he was he was kind and um, aspiring, you know, and and gave us the opportunity to look at some achievements that he's done and help us along the way, then that would probably be enough. And if my kids thought I was Half decent old man, old fart dad. That'd be good too. <laughs> well, that's like that's. I, th- I think you're. Uh, I think you're going to be safe there, mate. <laughs> I think you're going to be safe. I mean, you know, walking your children to school and back from school is is definitely a gift. And and, and what's more important is is teaching them how to say good night in a way that uh, helps them feel secure and safe. But but. But inspired about what's next in the next day. I think that's. I think to do that for your children, if you could, and not not everyone can, um, or chooses to. I think that's a formidable legacy in its own right. Yeah. I know for me, I did that till the kids were, um, you know, even through primary school. I would every night, both boys, I'd sit back and have a ten to fifteen minute chat in their bed, just talk, talking about stuff. Yeah, and um, it's it's come back to play big time in in a positive way. And my boys are eighteen and sixteen, and um, and they're good kids. Yeah, and that's that that um, I don't know if you've seen the work from uh, Arnie Bernstein. Um, no, it, yeah, it's just um, fantastic. He's a child psychologist, but yeah, just raising boys and you know, sort of that uh, analogy of a, a rocket launching. You know, generally. Boys uh, sort of with their mumbers sort of, you know, five to eight to nine to ten, and then dad takes over sort of nine to 13, 14. And if if we get it right, you know, we launch that rocket up and it keeps going. If we get it wrong, you know, it comes crashing down. And I think what you're explaining there at 15 and 18 or, you know, thereabouts, they're good kids and they've, they're on their way, that pretty, that, that is a great responsibility. Um, so, yeah. And just like you, no different to me, man. I mean, you know, we're young adults, and we've got to learn. We've got to go out there and and also, you know, have some knee, uh, have some grazes on our knees, and as long as it doesn't wipe the knee out, yeah, they, they've got to go out and do their bit. You know, they yeah. got to learn. That's how we got it. Yeah, and that's that. You know, sort of an interesting time at the moment, isn't it? About that helicopter parent, and as we sort of grew up, I think COVID was great. We saw our kids go back to. Yeah. Um, outside, just in their own time, doing recreational things on their own, without it being too prescribed or controlled by us. So, yeah, hopefully we can continue mm. that way. Just talking about kids, and if you could go back to tell your seventeen-year-old self three things, what would they be? Jeez, um, I think. Um, I've often thought now, as as I've got time to read and learn, I would I would like to go back and learn more about how the world works. <laughs> you know, I would I would definitely choose different subjects in school. Um, you know, I, I loved sport and I loved. Um, you know, my brother was uh, training to be a phys ed teacher at the time, and I, and I loved that, and, and that was a natural path. But I think really, at, at where my young son now is at fifteen, I'm. You know, I love hearing his view on the world, and and I and I had a very narrower focus. Um, so yeah, that would be one um, uh, to go back and and maybe look at different subjects and learn more about the world. Um, 
I think from a spiritual side, um, you'll love this story, but Alex Jezelenko took over coaching Carlton um, after Robert Walls left. And I didn't know this until recently, but he must have been mid-40s, but he was suffering some mental health. So he was doing meditation and a number of things, and he brought it into the club at Carlton. Now, you can imagine in the 80s, um, late 80s, um, it's yeah. It, 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 it wasn't a place where it was sort of easily done in a macho environment with you know plenty of physicality. But we we had to do, do meditation before training, um, and we had to do it twice a day for twenty minutes for this period. And I really found it terrific as a 18, 19 year old. And I actually stopped that, um, and I only recently um, brought it back into my life at sort of mid forties when I had some mental health challenges myself and. And I would go back and I would say to myself, look after the non-physical, the, the, the mental and the spiritual side, um, and I would educate myself about the other sides of life um, because I think it brings that stillness and that calm and the peace that um, I think I probably had, you know, a pretty full-on um, period, of, particularly of business, fast, rapid-paced, um, and I think that agitation would be, able to be calmed down so that would be something I would do um and what would be my third thing um I get I I was thinking about um you, you know um protect your body a bit more so you you know you, you didn't end up with all these scars and bruises at this age but I but I I cannot honestly say that that would be the case because I wouldn't do anything differently um no matter what uh no, I think yeah, I think that would be the main things. Learn more. Um, yeah, I think I think that'd be it, Steph and I. Probably... I, I, um, I haven't heard anyone, um, and we've had a close association with David Butterfant, and meditation's a big part of uh, David's uh, regime and and his leadership style, and and um, I've never heard anyone um, actually refer to it. And it was really um, you got my attention a moment ago when you mentioned um, meditation and how that borders into the intrinsic aspect of all of us. But look after the non-physical. I think it's a really good message. It's a very actually, it's a very basic message that should be totally taken up by every young man or woman and definitely any anyone later on in life too. So looking after the non-physical, when you think about the year we've had and the challenges and the pressure and 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 all the uh, bits and pieces that we felt helpless with, yeah. looking after the non-physical is all about that. Totally is. And I think the, 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 you know, the, the September seminar series we did was um, – Clearly, that work of Jard. I, ju- I just think if if that had been more rounded, and certainly the advice when I'm talking to younger people now, I would be definitely adding that side into their holistic management. Um, yeah, because uh, you know you, you've got to be able to provide time for that balance. Well, we've op- we've opened our mind to it now, haven't we? We've really accepted that it's not a stigma. It's not a, um, you know, we refer to the uh, the eighties and football clubs and and just society, really. I mean, it was a it was a taboo subject, like anything to do with mental health was like, you serious? What's wrong with you? you know? Yeah, and it yeah, was, no. Um, and no one could explain it, of course. Just like many can't today either. Yeah, no, it's it's been amazing. I've um, one of your questions coming up, but I thought I it might even go into it now. Is that like I was talking to my dad last night, who's 82 tomorrow, 
and you know he lost his wife a couple of months ago and my mum and you know he um probably was pretty you know 60 you know 40 50 years of business and had ups and downs but never really knew about the mental challenges as my brother and I have faced um and have found it to be greatly inspired inspiring to grow through that but I was talking to him last night about even at his age learning about that side of life that he'd never experienced mental health before and obviously with trauma and how we deal everyone deals with it differently but I think that's um you know something if we can if we can help uh with the communication and the way kids live today and society is different so I think it, it is seen as mainstream now that we can talk about these things so it's fantastic and by talking about it, there, there, there's half the uh, the remedy, really. Oh, about yeah, getting that off your chest and feeling comfortable in a non-judgmental environment. That's um, that's okay. So, if you could remove all barriers and constraints, what project would you do, and why? You know, um, I would, um, and this is not my idea, but I'm now saying if I could lift um, all barriers, I'd go and live overseas for a year. Um, my wife and I um, talked about it a few years ago and um, we ended up going around Australia for five months in a caravan with our young kids and then we planned to go and live in Italy for a year and we just missed an opportunity largely through fear of my own um, and <laughs> and uh, and she was absolutely committed to doing it but you know I had a bit of fear about it um, and I now look back and I say yeah and we had a little bit of children going from end of primary school into high so it was sort of a we had a year's window to do it um that's what I would do Steph and I would I would go we we looked at Italy then we looked at Spain and just challenging ourselves. we started doing um English um sorry Italian lessons where kids did and we did so we were, we were going to do I would I would do that because it would one why would be because it would um be a fear that you know leaving my comfort zone of home and like i love to travel i love holidays love going around the but it's always like a safe place to come back to and i think challenging myself in that way would be what i would take on as a big project and that's inspiring i love that that's like wow okay and those two countries would have been unbelievable to uh again it's foreign and it's yeah. definitely different very different to living in Australia, no doubt. Totally. And I think it would have been an unbelievable experience. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. What's the biggest surprise you've had in business or life and why? Um, the biggest surprise in business and life um, is when I was um, flat out growing the business to a point where we were really successful and growing and um, and we were well in advance at number one in our market, but our competitors were uh, building up really well. Um, one of our board members used to say, thank you competitors every day. I never used to know what he meant, but then you know, you know, make your harder, work harder and, and continue to, to do better. But um, my biggest learning was that I, I didn't recognize at the time um, how to appreciate um, the breadth of business, I was just so tunnel focused um, to the point where I was uh, at about 44, had a nervous breakdown. And for me, it was um, totally out of body experience. I had no idea what was going on. It was the biggest challenge I'd ever faced. And well beyond, you know, what we've talked earlier about, um, you know, back operations and transitioning. I mean, didn't know it as I was pretty young, but at 44, it was bewildering. I had no idea. And 
um, what I now have hindsight five, six years later with the, with all the toolkits I've now got in this part is to say, yeah, I just didn't understand how to cope, didn't understand where my ego was running out of control, where I was able to utilise other skills and not take on everything myself, um, how to deal better within family. Um, and yeah, there was some, some great challenges. So for me, it coincided as a personal and business um, moment. Um, would you, you, you know, I, I would still go through it again. I remember my wife at the time said, you know, you'll be grateful for this. And I really was, and I am now. And I didn't come back into the business in the same way. I was, uh, I'd empowered others to, to keep going and it's given me the opportunity to end up selling the business and focus on other parts of life that I never, ever would have until I had that epiphany moment. And so when I saw a psychologist, you know, one of the words I love about it, he says, it's not breakdown. We call these things breakthroughs. And so I would say for me, it was, it was a breakthrough of a path that wasn't, I did, sort of didn't really have a handle on and it, and it was an involuntary, involuntary time. Um, so I'm, I'm certainly, that's why I'm really passionate now about uh, educating people about how do they live holistically and, and not get to themselves so they're like a champagne bottle ready to burst, you know. It, 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 yeah, there's, I love that. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, and for those who've experienced it, it, it is. It's, it's a completely – so, yeah, I, I was thinking about that as probably the – my. So, so, so just on that, let's um, – because I think, you know, many of us get ourselves in that worked up, no, it's going to happen. No, it has to be perfect. And it goes on. And before you know it, it's a year, two years, five years of living like that. And the thing does, it it, it, it just works against you. It doesn't work yeah. for you. Yeah. You, know, you. You become your own worst enemy and you don't even know you're doing it, right? You're getting, you're getting in the way of your own success. Yeah, no, it, it's totally right. And and that's why I just say being able to step out of yourself and look in and, um, uh, you know, I just had some great learnings through that period that I think it it needed to be involuntary because I, I couldn't see it. I wasn't picking myself up on it. And I certainly wasn't aware of um, that side. I mean, I'd always known about physical training hard and that, you know, you, if you do more, you'll succeed. And same in the business, it was always push, 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 drive. But this has given me a balance um, that I'm so grateful for that just builds stillness and calmness across, you know, relationships and how you would deal with business and, yeah, so that 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 would be. That's a really good sharing, Andrew. Because um, again, you know, there, there are plenty of businesses and business owners and leaders and managers who 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 feel, you know, if it's meant to me, be it's up to me, and that's true. I mean, le- leadership's not for the faint heart, and if you ain't leading, no one's following. I mean, that's that's just the way it is. But in saying that, what I'm coming to terms with, and and again, it's part of my, and, and I'm really interested in this part of our conversation because. I'm seeing that in my own in my own journey. I'm yeah. seeing the journey of I'm actually letting go, but I'm getting stronger. Yeah, yeah. It's and, and that's the bit that you just referenced. It's that empowering. Yeah. You know, by letting go, it's it's awkward, but there is no other choice. Yeah, unless no. you want to hit a brick wall. I totally agree, and and I'd prefer people to recognise it before hitting the brick wall. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any secret routines that help you stay productive? I mean, you know, you, you've got, you've, you've definitely got choices these days in life, but even going back, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago when the ramp up for Camp Australia was going on and 
you, you were fully on productive and you had this, you know, this changeover or this this moment in time that you just referenced a moment ago. But do you have any secret routines that help you stay productive? Because there's a lot of things you can do right now, right? Yeah. I, and you want to do them well. Yeah, I think, um, it, you know, when we talked about it before about that, that what is it in a day, I think, you know, we all know the benefits of um, good sleep, good hygiene, um, good um, food, good, you know, all, all those health things. And then, you know, health and fitness for me is is part of that. I think is is once you're up and, and why I challenge when I uh, had many challenges when I wasn't physically able to do things, it was it was really tough. So I think, yes, that would be like um, get, get up early, um, get my exercise done, um, participate in family, gives us that feeling of goodness. And then I think from a business perspective, I was only thinking of little things. Like I write a list out every day. That's just one thing I do. I write a list of my job tasks. Now, I don't always get them through, but I always cross them out and rewrite them the next day um, or, or, you know, within the next three, four days or within a week. I'm always, you know, writing lists is probably one thing. It's certainly not a um, sort of superstition or anything like that. I just I just think that's certainly what I do. Um, and I, I guess, you know, I've written a couple of things here, um, you know, I was always half glass full approach. Um, I was always curious. Um, I was, you know, I was always committed to growing. Like it was, um, you know, I don't know why it was for growth sake. So, yeah, um, I, I guess now I'm more mindful though, um, as per as per our conversation on the, on the mindful side. I, I think more mindful during the day. Um, but yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, they're, they're the things probably lead to my sort of routine and success, I guess. Uh, good on you, mate. Um, what's been your biggest failure and or learning in the last year and why do you think that happened? Failures and learnings. Um, so it could be a failure, but in fairness, that could be the, the, the unbelievable learning or it could just be a failure. I mean, you know. What, what what is it as you reflect in the la, on the la, in the last year? It's been an extraordinary year, but um, what's been your biggest failure and or learning in the last year, and why do you think that happened? Um, I think the learning in the last twelve months is yeah. You know, when I think about a family perspective, that we slowed down um, and we were actually appreciating each other. We were running around. I have four young kids. We were running around madly with. Um, kids off to everywhere and, and probably that slow living there's a great podcast actually called the slow, slow home um, it's just you know I was listening to it years ago but it, now I've actually lived through the reality of it I think that that's been a great learning of this year and, and a success of from our family's point of view with COVID um, I guess um, yeah I, I think that would be um, what was the rest of the question again so what what has been what has been your biggest failure and or learning? Because I don't want to just leave it with failure. Because sometimes you know fa- failure is a it's a moment in time, but what happens on either side of it is is the upside. So what has been your biggest failure and or learning in the last year, and why do you think that happened? Yeah, I think the other biggest thing that happened this year, Stefan, was that I'd had a very strong discipline through business, um, management, contracts, relationships, schools, uh, you know, our attention to detail and care and 
you know, real deep care for our customer was evident. And, and I know that um, it was something that helped us grow to what we were. What I think my biggest learning this year was is that in my personal life where I've done a number of other things, I've actually, I actually um, came off that discipline a bit. And to be honest with you, I've, I've let a few relationships take me for a ride. And I've actually had to come back to um, three things that I've working with my wife on now to stop that happening. And I know that after selling our business, we were told, oh, you know, people will come from everywhere. And I think some of the generosity was there and um, we leveraged into friendships, into business a little bit. And so my biggest learning this year is I've corrected some of those relationships that didn't go well. And I've formed three new um, mantras, if you like, of move with the speed of trust, be in control, and have an appropriate exit clause to be able to move away from when things aren't working well. And I was listening to Peggy O'Neill on a one-on-one the other day with Barry Cassidy, you know, the old um, insiders reporter, and she was talking about the success of Richmond and um, from the the chairman down to the CEO down to the coach. And she she used a classic line, which I said to my wife the other day, where where we were getting it slightly wrong. Although my mother taught me this from a young age, but we we sort of morphed into this. She said, "We are friendly, but we are not friends." Wow. And I, and I really took to that to say, she said, at a governance level of board, I will be friendly with Brendan Gale, the CEO, but we don't go out and have barbecues together and have beers and go out. And we are friendly with Damien, the coach, but we are not friends. The three of us keep our healthy difference. So friendliness is there, but not friendship. And, and I thought it is a good way to make sure, unless she was talking about how the success of a, of a corporate succeeds. And so I think for me, it really just rang home a few things that I'd probably learned this year that um, still keep the dis- disciplines of business that we had, even though we're doing new things now, don't let your guard down because, yeah, I, I think that would be probably my biggest learning this year. I mean, that, that, that's a really – and as you were just sharing that, I, I was thinking back to the line I I, um, I used earlier, the, you know, I don't need to like you. Yes. But I yes. do need to respect you. Now, that that has, that could have a very different no, – well, not really. It's the same thing. I mean, I have a relationship with you. I don't need to break bread with you every day, but we could, but we could be productive and be collaborative and be progressive, but then it stops. And that's yeah. our job. That's our job. And and I think there's something in that that um, my um, my mentors and my parents till today, I mean, they say, you know, you can count your most important, the most important connections in your life, you can count them on one hand, really. You can. Yeah. Anything yeah. more than that and you're, you're starting to get a bit confused. Yeah, totally. And you're getting spread, which means you're not going deep. And if you go spread and not deep, then that means you're shallow. Yeah. And and that's a problem. So you know, just just um, yeah, no, that that's um, that's a really good sharing there, mate. Really, really yeah, appreciate I, that. I, I was thinking of that as you were talking earlier. You're right. I was thinking it's the same. It's the same theory, you know. Um, and you know, there's so many temptations to cross that line, and and I'm not saying they don't always work for other people. You know, being in business with friends or using friends for services, and but. Yeah, one of my learnings was just, you know, just keep a healthy distance from that and, uh, yeah. Very cool. Um, what, makes you feel, what makes you feel inspired or like your best self? 
I've got a um, a group which I call the Fat Boys, and um, the <laughs> Fat Boys was established um, twenty years ago with um, some best mates, and it's it's mantra is basically called stick fat, which means don't be a stranger. Make sure you reach out. Um, and we, we've lived by that for 20 years, growing our club. Of, and it's basically, you know, swimming, golf, um, riding. We don't run anymore. But, yeah, it's, you know, we do some charity work. And we've grown this Fat Boys Club. It's my most happy time, I guess, is that, um, you know, they call me Skipper. But, you know, that's only, uh, I, I guess I do love, um, bringing people together, introducing strangers. Some of the feedback I've had from people who I've met, I've said, oh, you, come, you should come down and join us. And they they do. They courageously come down not knowing anyone. And the feedback back from them that we've opened up a new um, energy in their life that, they, you know, they, they'd lost their mates through high school, university. They're locked into family. They don't do anything else except work. And now they're – so that would be, uh, Stefan, my my – greatest feeling of when I feel alive and energetic myself. Um, so giving to others, of course, um, when I'm out on a long bike ride or a long swim in the ocean somewhere personally, with my with my wife and family, I, I love things we're doing. But, yeah, I, I would say, like most people that get to this point, if I could be giving to others or being around others and that connection, that energy, um, I feel really good. What's your um? What's what's one word of or one piece or one sentence, one thought of advice for those that I guess are at their uh, you know they're fifty years old, they're fifty five years old. Life hasn't exactly uh, failed them, but they're not at a point of um, ultimate choice or ultimate, I guess, um, freedom, and they're working on something that's heading in in the direction whether they're you know employees and or business owners makes no difference but what's one word of advice you could give those that are um that might be listening to this and think geez it's easy for andrew and or stefan they've had it good they've done well and you and i both know 30 years equals overnight success right yeah and and in saying that what would be one thing you could share with those that are um they're not exactly in their own in their own view they're not at a point of freedom they're not at a point of choice yet but they're decent human beings. They're on a journey to something. What would you say to them? Yeah, um, I, I think if we're measuring it by the ability not to have to work, it's, of course it's going to come back to monetary value and looking at how do you wish to live your life because what is wealth, what is rich? I mean, I, I, I laugh at my best mate every day. I said, if I can have a coffee and a cake every day, I'm happy. You know, and, and of course we want to have our health and that's, that's, you know, we're, we're all to some degree of experience different times when we're not. We go, shit, that's our most important thing. So if I think about freedom, yes, I've got the ability now to choose, but it's it's not all roses as well because one of the things that my wife and I talked about is that with habits of work come the ability not to have to think because, you know, if you're a school teacher or you're running a business or, and, you, and you, you've got routine. So you, when you don't have that, you've actually got the ability to think and grow yourself, and that's not always easy because you, you you're challenged uh, by different things. So I think freedom, if you like, and as you say, if, you, if I if I measure that by not having to work because you you've got your house and you've got your food, everything, you don't have to worry about where your next dollar is. Um, you know that clearly comes from a disciplined approach in business, or you know budgeting and, and living within your means. I think they're all 
But I, I actually think far beyond, I hope to think our financial selling of our business has not changed us personally. It certainly hasn't altered our financial. Yes, we've, uh, yeah, that would be denied. Say that we're not living a comfortable home and have a holiday house, those things. I, I think freedom for me is still a personal thing. It's still something that you wake up and you feel good inside yourself every day. And it's not about, uh, I don't have to work anymore. Um, you know, I always thought of that. When I was, I had our advisory board and I always thought, oh my God, I, I can't wait to sell because I want to be like them where they don't. It's it's not all that what it's cracked up to be. Um, so in trying to keep it short, I would say freedom is a, it's a mind it's a choice of, of how you live your life um, and we don't need to measure that by financial. Yeah, and as I'm, and as I'm just sort of uh, thinking about my, what would my response be to that? And, and for me, it's, um, you know, we're living in an age where knock on wood and, you know, all things going equal, like if your health is good, you know, 4,264 weeks on average. I mean, you spoke about your dad a moment ago, yeah. And, and you know, eighty-two years old—that—that—that that, that, you know—that's the average age as it relates to Australian yeah. males. Yeah. So females get about one hundred and fifty weeks more on us on on average. Um, but if you're in your mid fifties and you're on a on a journey, it may not be finished in your mind. It may not be complete. Nowhere near it to some degree. But if you've got your health, you don't need to be in a hurry for anything. Uh, totally agree. Um, you know, I was just thinking about my best mate who's, uh, we went through phys ed teacher together. He's a school teacher, has been for 30, 35 years now, but he's, he's the happiest, most adjusted guy. Um, my, my wife's grandma is 99, waiting for the letter from the Queen next year. And, you know, <laughs> I, I often talked about things with her and she's like, you know, you've heard these things before, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. And she says, you know, get close to those people who are, warm and giving love and just slide past those who don't and 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 try to decrease the judgment just 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 be accept all I, you know they're all we try to learn from people that have been here before us but um yeah i'm still in that journey and still still mm. learning yeah well, well you have to be otherwise you know you, you could have the most abundant choice for anything in life but if you have no purpose if you have no you know something that you're chasing it sort of comes to a fizz and you, and you start thinking, I mean, how many games of golf can you play in your 50s with uh, people who are, uh, you know, carrying um... – anyway, so what, what I'm getting at is choice. Choice is health and choice yeah. is uh, purpose. Really cool. If you could have a dinner party with just three people, dead or alive, who would they be and why? Well, number one is my wife. <laughs> You're a good man. Yeah. I hope she's listening. <laughs> well, I hope all the other people that you've uh, asked to be on the podcast are the same. Uh, you are you are impressive, Andrew uh, Phillips. You're yeah. you're the first that said his wife and or husband. So there you go. And, <laughs> she's and, a special um, girl, mate. And I thought about this, and I'll come to my answer for the other two in a moment. But I was. Um, I grew up in the tennis world and my my absolute superstar favourite of all time was John McEnroe. And uh, it was a bit like that, you know, that old ad, um, you know, I'm having dinner with Tom Cruise and something. So I said, no, but, well, I was I was invited to um, have a game of golf with John McEnroe, um, Pat Rafter and uh, another one of my best mates is no longer with us. And and um, anyway, I had 
my daughter's birthday, I think, was either on that day or the next day or whatever, and I had to go and get a prayer. So I had to give up a game and meet John McEnroe and play golf with John McEnroe. So um, I, I thought he would be one, um, but I've thought deeper, and I would like to have a dinner party with my wife and Michelle and Barack Obama. Man, I love that. Yep. I've read all his books. I'm currently reading his new one. I've read her book, um, and I just... Yeah, I know he's not perfect, but um, I just feel if we could have more um, people running the world like him, um, I think we'd be in a better place. And, uh, and yeah, I just um, feel that that would be a great dinner party. Yeah, I love that. And um, no, no two ways about it. Power, um, I mean, he's, he's a statesman in my opinion. He's... Um, He's respectful. <laughs> it's kind of been downhill since. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> and, and, and Michelle is such a, again, just a, uh, a woman of the world. And I love that choice. And I'm, and I'm sure your wife would be, uh, again, just a, a nice a nice two two couples over dinner. There you go. Yeah, right. Mate, yeah. that, that's choosing wisely. That's very smart, yeah. Andrew. I love that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and you are the first that's chosen their, uh, their, their partner, mate, and that's impressive. If I can help you unwind three financial decisions in your life, how much more, again, the reference here is money. However, it's more about the learning. If I can help you unwind three financial decisions in your life, how much more money would you have right now? Um, The answer is I wouldn't. I would have less because the financial, um, I'll call them financial failures or or the real Natural hurt, pain points, learnings for me were the things that sparked me into action and made me, and I'll, and I'll give you an example of this, is that I didn't come from a financial uh, knowledge or education background. I came from a love of sport, love of teaching kids. And so we grew our business on the back of doing what we loved, but we had no vision at, at our cash flow and profit and loss and and, and we just we just didn't. So it was like I said, we were growing because we were good at what we were doing, and there was a you know a real need in society for what we did. But um, I specifically remember um, my honeymoon, and I was well. I'll go, I'll go back a step. Before I met my wife and had a mortgage and started a family, I I can tell you I never ever looked at our bank account. <laughs> so we, I, I had no idea. I did. I, I can also say I didn't really even look at my salary. I didn't look at my. I just. I was just living as a young guy in business, having a now. So things change, obviously, when you've got to mature and get serious and be responsible. But we had um, my brother and I had a phone call. I was one week into a four-week honeymoon, and uh, the current CEO at the time had told us that the business was about to be wound up. We were finished. Um, so I'll never forget the night. I was in Lake Como. It was about midnight. I spent, my wife actually got on the phone for three hours rearranging our entire honeymoon so we could fly back to Melbourne and go out and meet every customer. So we we came home halfway through our honeymoon because business comes first and we were never going to get the opportunity to do what we do without the business succeeding. So needless to say, that CEO didn't last long because I and my brother was sort of like, oh, what's going on here? So I said, no, I've got to come home. But the, the great hero out of this was my wife because she was like, we've got to go home straight away. And that's phenomenal. Oh, yeah. So that so when I, uh, when I think about your question, 
it was it was the it was the financial lessons or learnings that so when I got home, one of my very best mates, a very successful businessman, said to me, So do you do you look at your cash flow every day? How did you get in this position? I go, what? He goes, are you serious? You don't you don't know what's in your bank account. He says, I check my bank account twice a day. So I from that point, that point in time, in the middle of coming back from my honeymoon, I built a system in my diary and in with my finance guy that I would look at the bank every day, cash at bank. So I I then understood cash is king because we were gone. We were we were just about out of it. So that that for me was a really big one. The other one was going and doing a financial management course for non-financial management people. And I would encourage anybody to do it because it helps for budgeting, for family, for life, to understand money. I don't know why it's not done in school. And and, and if you're lucky enough to born into a, a family that has that, you might learn through through parents or otherwise. But, you know, um, I, 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 I did that. My brother had done it earlier. And it just gave me a greater focus on running the business, which is a responsibility of a business owner. Um, and the third one, um, within sort of an operational point of view, was actually building administrative financial systems that were able to scale and be sustainable. And we didn't, through through IT development, we did not have that. So our business was like a sieve. We had no capacity to hold on to the cash and, and, and obviously build profitability and then build dividends and be able to build our careers out of it until we got these things right. So um, it was an absolute moment in time where I had to wake up and yeah, it was a tough road. I went back and we, we we were at 50 schools at the time and we we scaled it back down to 10 and we rebuilt back up from there. Um, we were otherwise gone and we ended up nearly at a thousand schools by the end. So it was it was an incredible time. Man, that's that's such a cool um, that's cool sharing there at, from the perspective of it doesn't matter what happens, it's what you do. Sure. And and you know, there's plenty of people that truly lose a lot of sleep and and to the point where they you know they they, they just lie down and and curl up versus nah okay you could lose money and you can make money but the one thing you got to be a little more cautious and conscious about is time so your financial gains have come from your financial woes 100% and every single time every single time I mean I've never ever looked at a uh, yeah. I mean, I had the same learnings. the The very early part of taking over mum and dad's business, they were, you know, they were financially retired. One thing led to another. They were fun, almost almost broke, lost the family home. I took over that business. I didn't need to. I did rebuilt it back from you know it had 120 people down to four. Rebuilt it back up to 70, but. From the moment I took on, and I, I, I was—I mean, I went to school, I went to university, but I didn't know how to run a business. I could read books and pass exams. Yeah, it's all about learning the numbers, mate. Yes, you had to know that one plus one does not always equal two. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you sell something, there's got to be at least something that's left behind that's called profit, which ultimately, if it ain't in the bank, it ain't—it ain't yours. Yeah. You know, it's so, so all the you know words are good, stories are great, numbers never lie. So it's it's and I was, I was again, you know, from a sporting background, you get to understand the importance of scoreboards and looking at something twice a day is there for a reason. Absolutely, yeah. Peace no. of mind and 
either keep on doing what you're doing because it's working off, change it because it's not Yeah. in the day. Totally agree, mate. Yeah. Last question, mate. It's been a, uh, an awesome conversation here. What is the best advice you've ever been given and why? Why do you refer to it as the best advice ever given to you? Well, I was kicking the um, Nerf footy around um, in our hallway at East Build. My brother, I would have been seven. My brother <laughs> was three and a bit. I see he would have been 10 or 11. And the old man... Um, uh, you know his his um, uh, business story. I guess is a forty seven years of corporate life, but he was he was not allowed to finish matric, which was our old VCE um, when he was um, at Melbourne High School. His mum forced him out after year eleven to go and work, and he because life was different back then, right? So he, half his wages would go back to his mum, and he and he worked for a number of companies. And he ultimately uh, earned his way up to senior management positions, then, um, uh, you know, general management and then board positions of significant companies, mainly with Japanese companies. Um, anyway, during this phase, I'll never forget that whilst he was successful, he was always governed by somebody else. And the number one um, thing he said, Stephen, which to answer your question is never work for a boss. And I, I never, I never forget it. And he, and he continues to remind us of it. Don't worry. It was, it's great advice. Not that everyone's, you know, going to be a business owner or an entrepreneur. I mean, you can be a very successful employee, um, you know, in your own whatever. It doesn't matter. But that, that for us, I don't think it sort of cemented the fact that I, you know, Anthony and I had to run our own business. And if we didn't, we wouldn't. But, but we do remember. Um, that line very clearly. I remember it. We we're in we we're in the hallway and and that and and his other famous tagline, which I've used earlier in this chat, is the only way is up. And um I guess they're the two bits of advice we still uh talk about today. And as I say, he's 82 now and uh he's still fit and firing. And for us, um that was great advice. We've had many from our advisory board over the years that I could recall. But um yeah from dad um I now sort of see the benefits longer term of running your own business not only the smaller financial outcomes during during the course of it but you know be, being able to determine your own day the, the, the way you live it doesn't mean that it was easier sometimes um you know we worked as you know running your own business it's um it's 24 7 you know you can never uh, escape it at times and you and you go through probably greater trials and tribulations than you would be if you were just employed but that that for us um stood us in good stead Mate, good on you. Um, Andrew Phillips, lo love the sharing and uh, appreciate the, uh, again, the candour and the and the humility in how it's delivered, uh, making a significant difference to so many people um, in, in many ways, whether it's your philanthropic work or your, uh, your supporting of young entrepreneurs that are coming through the, uh, the ranks. And, 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 you know, th there is definitely a... Uh, a path that you have walked on, and 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 it's an easy path for that for others to follow, um, if they're prepared to roll their sleeves up and and do the work. I mean, you know, the opportunity, as we both know, but 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 let's just share it as it is. The opportunity for um, upwards and onwards has never been greater. I think COVID this year um, or, or or this period has certainly taught us um, going back to the basics is is a good thing. Yeah. Um, when it's all done and dusted, people like doing business with people they like totally and agree. people they trust. Yeah. 
Yep. So you could have all the latest and the greatest technology and and automated and working from home systems. But in order to move something from point A to point B, whether it's business or life, it takes people to do that. Oh, totally. And and that's it. You've got to get on in this world. And um, I think if it's not sort of being a, a needy pleaser and all that. You've still got to have your own value system. But you know, you, you find people who get on well with most people in the world um, can be successful. And, yeah, I think there is great opportunity now. And what I'm loving as as Anth is and you are is actually when we were younger, all the everything that was given to us, we're just loving the ability. Sure, time gives it to you. and, and But to give back, um, you know, it's just it, Anthony is um, a real leader in this. You know, um, I see him doing this day in, day out with everything he's doing. And, and it, 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 you know, you can see him shining now. Um, it's fantastic. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and you and yours, mate, doing a great job and making a great contribution. Andrew Phillips, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity, Stefan. Appreciate it, mate. Talk soon. For more information about Business Benchmark Group's coaching, education and training programs, visit businessbenchmarkgroup.com.au or call 03-9001-0878. If you liked this podcast, please rate it on iTunes, Stitcher or SoundCloud and leave feedback as well. Stefan shares so much value in all his podcasts and we encourage you to go through the archives and listen to other episodes of the Business Benchmark Group podcast. Thank you for listening.